welcome to cii podcasts hello and welcome to this the fifth episode of cii podcast series i am uh, vivian fernandez the topic of this conversation is uh, climate change imperative opportunities for businesses extreme weather events very high temperature in uh, europe hurricanes and flooding in the united states forest fires in australia torrential rains followed by prolonged dry spells in india arctic glaciers melting the evidence of climate change is all around us the recent report of the intergovernmental panel on climate change is considered a code red for humanity it says action for mitigating the risk of climate change must start now to discuss the issue we have with us mr jamshed godrej chairman of the board of godrej and boyce manufacturing company which is into home appliances office equipment and industrial products Mr Godrej is also chair of the CII Sharabji Godrej Green Business Center Mr Godrej welcome to this podcast Thank you Vivian Mr Godrej India's per capita emissions of CO2 equivalent are quite low at 1.9 tons in 2019 compared to China's 7 tons per capita India's total emissions in 2019 were 2.5 billion tons China's were four times as much So do you think that we have less of a responsibility to mitigate the risk of climate change compared to other countries Well let me put it this way that India has not been responsible for the historical uh emission of uh, CO2 in the atmosphere but being a part of this uh, world of nations I think we have our role to play and even if our per capita uh emissions are low it does not mean that it will not go up because as we develop uh you know the opportunity for us to have low carbon low emission development is there but if we don't seize it then certainly you know we would be one of the more uh, polluting uh nations and actually you know this is not uh, the right uh, metric to look at a per capita i think at the end of the day the atmosphere doesn't uh, segregate what came from india and what came from china or anywhere else it's all there and our total emissions are large that is right and we are all in it in it together because we cannot eject our, ourselves out of the planet <laughs> you know you mentioned that uh, there are opportunities for uh, low carbon growth and india has uh, reduced the emission intensity of its gdp by 24% between 2005 and 2016 by 24% i mean 24% of the level that was existing in 2005 so it has reduced its uh, emission intensity of gdp and we are on course to meeting our voluntary commitments so do you think that we have already initiated work on this we are already trying to become a low carbon economy Well let me put it in perspective I think that uh, the Paris goals uh were essentially set in a way that asked every country to do a voluntary disclosure of what that they would try to achieve so yes I do feel that uh you know we will achieve the the goals that we set out in Paris only because I think that uh, you know it's a normal statistical thing that as you grow you don't necessarily increase your emissions at the same rate so mm-hmm. to some extent that's built into the growth model 
but you know the opportunity because of because of new technology not only new technology new processes new ways of doing things and the greater awareness for everybody you know whether it's civil society it's industry it's government the much greater awareness of this issue mm-hmm. as you rightly said you know the ipcc report talked of code red which is something that they have never done before mm-hmm. so if we want to reduce our carbon footprint which are the areas that we should focus on because the government has already um, given us certain pointers in terms of uh, the areas where it wants to incentivize production uh, with production linked uh, uh, incentives for example advanced uh, chemistry car batteries is one area secondly new generation vehicles uh, high efficiency uh, solar cells so these are some of the areas that the government wants industry to focus on um, w- w- what would you think there Sorry. is opportunity everywhere okay and i think you have to when you do an inventory of where the co2 is coming from today uh i think it tells you very clearly you know what we need to do and the first thing to attack is the large emitters okay and the large emitters are the power sector you know the large uh, industries uh that uh you know the large chemical industry the large fertilizer industry the large steel industry cement industry so the large process industries are essentially the main uh, emitters of course they don't account for 100% of the emission so yes there is transport uh, you know there is the building sector uh, so i think that we must systematically go after all the big emitters first i think you know like like in everything in the world there's an 80 20 rule you know 20% by number will account for 80% of the value and that's what you've got to do and actually this is a project which the government started to undertake uh, some years ago you know they they had a, a performance pat scheme you know perform uh, and trade type of scheme the trading part didn't happen but certainly they put out very ambitious and good sort of metrics for these large emitters and by and large these large emitters have been able to achieve much of that so the trading part did not happen you said so should we have a carbon trading market yes certainly Indian. i think we should we should definitely have a carbon trading market and uh, i think that uh, the it's easier said than done uh, to have a carbon trading market you know that it's a complex issue to have a carbon trading market but yes we should certainly start somewhere uh, i i believe that there is opportunity for a carbon trading market in india and we should uh, implement uh, you know i believe especially in india and in most places you know you got to start with some small steps and then mm-hmm. keep becoming more ambitious and build on it so mm-hmm. this is the same with carbon trading you got to start somewhere let's start okay now you said that uh, the power power industry is the main emitter and we are mainly dependent on coal and the coal that we use is is high ash coal is not very efficient uh, not very high calorific coal um 
there's a lot of talk about you know shifting to renewables like uh, wind energy and uh, solar energy but is it practical especially when we require so much of energy for our development do you think that we can uh, shift shift away from fossil fuels coal and oil uh, at least in the short term well i think that the answer to that is at two different levels the first is that we need to plan our journey to move from fossil fuels to renewables this is not a complex uh, problem to solve you know it is it is straightforward we know where the wind blows we know where the sun is uh, we know that uh, you know that uh, unless you build up renewable capacity uh, you cannot reduce the coal which as you rightly said in our development imperative uh, coal has to be part of the mix uh, in the beginning but if you don't plan for the phase out of coal over a period of time you know uh, it may be 20 years it may be 30 years uh, whatever the you know everyone agrees is a right number <clears throat> of years for phase out but if you start planning it i think it will work i think the government have been very ambitious in laying out their uh, target for renewable energy of 450 gigawatts uh, but at the same time i think we have to also talk about the phase out of coal how will we do it what will we do what is the way of doing it you know these are not easy uh, things to uh, sort of give you an answer to but we need to plan for it are we planning for it because i remember the former chief economic advisor arvind subramanian in an economic survey he decried the coal imperialism of the west because he said that you know india will have to depend on coal at least for base load electricity and then of course for peak um, um, supply we can depend on uh, renewables so you know let's say uh, over the next 10 years is it possible for us if not to phase out coal completely at least to um, install um, power plants that are highly energy efficient certainly i think that's one option that you can say phase out old coal plants uh, which are inefficient and pollute a lot and replace them with new plants which are highly efficient and you know have all the pollution control techniques in place but you know whilst we think about that we should also think about you know how this transition is going to take place plus i think that in a country like india when we know that the coal industry supports such a large number of jobs you know you have to be cognizant of where the jobs are going to come from in place of the type of coal jobs that are today so exactly. it's coal mining you know it's coal distribution it's coal you know in every way so we need we need a plan we need a plan which covers you know what is being increasingly called a just transition you know so people have to be part of this plan it's not a just a technical plan you know it's not a sort of a techno commercial plan alone its people are very much involved in this people have been talking about it even in government uh, on this subject but i think the the answer to my mind is to set up a, a small commission with a very quick uh, turnaround you know which includes not only the technical people but includes the issue of jobs it includes the social development issues and especially because we know that coal uh, is in the eastern part of our country you know yes. it's in it's in states where development is low 
so we must have a development model for those states whether it's bihar is jharkhand you know whatever it is these yes. these states need need uh, if if they don't have a coal economy they must have some other economy yeah otherwise we'll have large scale social distress you are right now we don't seem to have that high ambition and one of the opportunities is hydrogen and we see that you know a lot of work is happening elsewhere in the world uh, according to bloomberg nef um, 19 countries have a hydrogen strategy and 24 countries are working on it in india of course the ministry of non renewable energy has a hydrogen mission but i don't think we have a road map yet do you think that we should focus on hydrogen there is a good amount of momentum behind it today you know there is there, there's a lot of thinking about it i think the bigger problem is not going to be just production of green hydrogen the yes. bigger production to my mind is going to be about you know how is hydrogen going to be used in steel making how mm-hmm. is hydrogen going to be used in cement making or in fertilizer or in fertilizer i mean these are these are big technical issues which the whole world has to grapple with let me interject here sir just you know can you clarify what green hydrogen is is there a green hydrogen and some other uh, uh, colored hydrogen <laughs> why yes. don't you explain it for our audience yes well i think that uh, you know the hydrogen that you can produce today from uh, breaking up hydrocarbons is one way you know mm-hmm. but that's that's the wrong route to make hydrogen okay, okay. you can have that's called a, blue hydrogen blue hydrogen if you have an intermediate stage you know like a green gray hydrogen okay mm-hmm. which is sort of using gas in place of coal or some other fossil uh, and and then lastly of course using renewables so i think we don't want we should not think of an intermediate stage in my opinion i think we must move quickly to a green hydrogen because i think the opportunity for us you know mm-hmm. is right there for green hydrogen india has so much solar uh energy available and it should not be that difficult uh yes there is a cost to it i think we should not forget the fact that when you make hydrogen from renewables it will result in steel or cement or fertilizer being a little more costly but mm-hmm. then the industry should find ways to find efficiency somewhere else in mm-hmm. such a way uh, my point about this global research initiative is that you know you will have intellectual property that gets developed and intellectual property should be shared because this is a global good you know it's a common uh, good that is required for the world today so i think that if we can have some uh, understanding on on how uh, the world should cooperate on uh, you know we must also not forget that if china had not developed uh the solar cells uh you know to the extent that they have today and brought the cost down you know we would be all struggling today so i think you know we are highly dependent on that type of uh, thinking but in hydrogen case you know we must uh, work together globally to be able to find the answers to green hydrogen uh, mr godrej uh, you know you mentioned about high ambition do you think that work on hydrogen would qualify for high ambition and do you think that india is doing enough because uh, according to bloomberg nef 19 countries have a hydrogen strategy and 24 countries are working on it india has a hydrogen mission and the prime minister in his independence day speech said india should be a producer and exporter of uh, a green hydrogen so 
you know where are we um, on hydrogen have we are we you know have we started any work at all yeah well let me put it this way that i think that it's a good step on the part of the government and the prime minister to uh, start a hydrogen mission uh, it will require a lot of ambition and a lot of working together uh, i think it's essential you know for uh, for all of us uh, to pool our resources and most important you know this is an area where a lot of research work will have to be done and i think that the government should be very much involved in making grants uh, for research institutes to develop the different parts of this uh, all over the world especially in the united states japan etc you know government grants uh, have resulted in huge uh, research being done but they should be tied to you know some outcome of course you know that is right it should not it should not be just open ended but i think that uh, this collaborative approach uh, is the one that we should have to go together and besides that you know the as you rightly mentioned the whole world is working in this area you know so i think we need to share our uh, research with them they need to share research in this area i think patents that will come out of all of this need to become a public good uh, and shared uh, so i think it's important that the world recognizes that this area is going to be a global common uh, good which is which is something that everyone will benefit from and we should approach it from that angle i mean yeah. the parallel today is like the vaccine we've mm-hmm. seen how much uh, collaborative work has gone into the vaccine to produce it so quickly i mean something like that on a mission type of mode is required don't you think that we should have some demo projects for example i was speaking to an official in the hydrogen mission and he was saying that let's set a target for example making the mumbai delhi stretch zero emissions by let's say 2035 i mean it's a i mean you when you when you try to aim at the moon there are chances that you land on the tree, tree top yeah no you are absolutely right i think such ambitious targets will be very useful mm-hmm. now india produces a lot of biomass and um, you know we burn it and it goes into the atmosphere as co2 especially in uh, north india during winters is a big problem or it just rots and produces methane which is of course uh, much more potent uh, greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is there a way in which we can use biomass to produce hydrogen well it's certainly one option i would not uh, count that out but you know one when cii has been working on this issue of stubble burning for some time now especially because you know as you rightly said it results in very poor uh, air quality uh it's not easy you know when you are working with so many millions of farmers you know in in order to be able to collect the stubble in a way that is timely and 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 done at a cost which is affordable so there are some challenges there but uh, yes it's a possibility i think we have to look at how we can make it practical because the practical issues here you know because it's such a uh, distributed uh, collection uh, of stubble burning etc uh, you know the, the stubble that's left after the crops are cut uh, that that is a that is a significant challenge and we have not been able to find easy answers so far i would like to focus on one other issue and that is about water 
and what is also very important we need to pursue uh, climate smart agriculture agriculture that is that uses less water that is tolerant of drought um, and in this respect don't you think that we should fo- shift our focus particularly from the water guzzling crops like uh, paddy and sugarcane absolutely you know wwf have a global program on thirsty crops you know which include sugarcane cotton and uh, you know rice etc absolutely i agree with you that you know we need a rethink on the way that agriculture is done and and the very fact you know that that water availability is going to get reduced because of climate change you know is the biggest imperative plus it's such a big issue for jobs so if we can't figure out you know how to do agriculture in a sustainable way using less water and i think it's also that you know if you always have to use irrigation water for rice and for sugarcane and you know this sort it doesn't make any sense you must put you must do this where there is natural rain water you know maybe we should grow um, incentivize the cultivation of paddy in the eastern uh, region where there's plentiful right. rain rainfall and not in punjab because yeah. you know punjab has a very high productivity of uh, rice 4 tons per hectare uh, but you know when it when you look at the irrigated water uh, productivity of rice in punjab it's very low because a lot of the irrigated water just evaporates so maybe we should have a benchmark when we do procurement and we say that if you Uh, use more than this quantity of water we are not going to procure from your area we are going to procure only if the water use is below a certain threshold yes and plus we are utilizing so much of groundwater like exactly. in punjab as you mentioned you know they they have to dig the bore wells so deep today you know uh, to get water out and that's a big issue Mm-hmm. And so, before I end this podcast, may I ask you that at the CII Sorabji Godrej Green Business Center, what are you doing? You know, um, to uh, you know reduce the carbon f- footprint, to make buildings more green, um, benchmarking and all that. Can you just give us some uh, idea? Yeah. So uh, you know, CII set up uh, the Green Business Center in Hyderabad about 15 years ago, and we have been working on green buildings. uh ever since then. uh the whole idea here is to have uh, a rating system for green buildings uh which cover residential buildings they cover uh, uh, office buildings they cover institutions the the ratings cover uh, large areas also uh and the ratings also cover retrofitting of buildings so we have uh, spent these last 15 years working diligently on getting the message across on the advantage of green buildings uh it has also been able to spur a whole industry uh of uh, energy efficient products so for instance we we push the cement industry we push the steel industry that give us material which uses less carbon you know uh less emissions and they are doing it they are working on it but they are working on better efficiency uh we work with the glass industry we said give us give us glass which has you know lets light in but does not let the heat in we work with the air conditioning systems in such a way to improve their efficiency and also on the gases that get used in the air conditioning to have less pollution because you know refrigeration gases can also be heavily polluted it's mm-hmm. a sort of a silent polluter 
and uh, so this is what we've been doing uh, as a result of this effort uh, the green business center has developed what we call a green company rating and it's you can produce it at different levels you know you can have a platinum gold silver that sort of thing plus in order to promote green, uh, not only green buildings but also for industrial use we have promoted the idea of green product rating so what we are doing in the green business center we are focusing on energy efficiency we are focusing on new products new materials that are all green and we are being very evangelical about green buildings you know we are promoting green buildings in every sector and uh, i think one of the good things for us is that we have many iconic buildings uh, in india which are green buildings which are rated green buildings amongst the best in the world and the green business center itself was the greenest building in the world when it was built and rated and uh, so i think we are trying to show by example you know that this is all possible and my ambition is that india should have the largest footprint of green buildings in the world mm-hmm. okay that's a very ambitious um, objective and uh, mr godrich you seem to be not only in mission mode but you said evangelical you seem to be in missionary mode as well <laughs> you know <laughs> You know, I would have really liked to prolong this conversation, but uh, time is a tough t- a taskmaster. Thank you very much for your insights, and you, our listener, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to CII podcasts.